Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens out there. Can you guys tell what I've been binging on Netflix lately? Tiger Kings. If you haven't watched it, you definitely need to check out Tiger Kings. And no, this is not a paid promotion. I am not sponsored by Netflix. But wouldn't that be cool? You're actually listening to Exam Room Rambles podcast. I'm your hostess, Dr. Tracy Westegard, and today I am going to talk about anal glands. Now, this was not something I planned to talk about, but I was inspired by an anal gland issue that I'm dealing with at home right now. When we say anal glands, we're not actually talking so much about the gland. There is definitely an anal gland, and it secretes its secretion into an anal sac. So when I say anal gland in the rest of this podcast, I actually mean anal sac. But when you start saying anal sac over and over, it sounds like something else that I want to avoid. And I've made that mistake in the exam room of saying anal sacs and people looking at me a little confused. So from here on out, we are going to say anal glands when we are talking about the issues involving anal glands and anal sacs. Now, the anal glands are located surrounding the anus. They're actually at four and six o'clock, and they are little round sacs like a balloon under the skin that can get big and small. They expand. Now, the secretion that comes out of them is actually a pheromone, And a pheromone is not quite a hormone, it's more of a scent. It actually has very specific biochemical information that animals can tell about other animals when they smell these. So they can actually tell if an animal is male or female, roughly how old they are, if they're healthy or unhealthy, based on these pheromone smells in the anal gland secretions. So this is why dogs sniff each other's butts. This is why dogs roll in poop, whether it's other dog poop or cat poop or even raccoon poop. Cats do this too, but cats are way more discreet about it. They're not going to be obvious the way a dog is, but they have the same glands and participate in the same behaviors. So these glands secretion is Anywhere from like a liquid yellow tan color to a brown color, and it can be very thick like peanut butter and everything in between. Sometimes these anal gland secretions smell terrible to the point where we have to light candles, run fans, can't use that room for the rest of the day, or sometimes we express them and there's hardly any scent at all. It doesn't mean that your pet is sick or well or anything about its health status based on that smell. And that smell can actually vary in their lifetime and vary from episode to episode. Dogs and cats don't have the specific ability to express their anal glands on command like some of the other species out there that do. This is crazy, but possums, they have anal glands. And when they are playing possum or playing dead as a defense mechanism, they secrete their anal glands. And their anal gland secretion has a smell like dead, rotting flesh. So whatever the potential predator is, thinks that its meat is rotten and they leave it alone. Of course, everyone's familiar with skunks. That smell when skunks spray, they are purposely releasing their anal glands. And that's to deter predators. There's another one that I think is kind of crazy, and I'm not making this up, is beaver anal glands. 
I don't know when beavers secrete their anal glands, but I do know that humans harvest the secretion from beaver anal glands and use them in perfumes and flavorings. Yep, you heard me right, flavorings. It is actually one of the components of artificial vanilla flavor. Yes, beaver anal gland secretion is used to make artificial vanilla flavor. Did you like those dramatic pauses? I can't decide if I'm going to edit those out or not. Now, humans, we don't have the same kind of anal glands. There is a sweat gland around the anus, but it's not a sebaceous gland like anal glands in other species. Now, most carnivores do have these sebaceous type anal glands. Sebaceous meaning like a modified oil gland. Other animals that have them, wolves, bears, coyotes, hyenas, sea otters, there's a ton of critters that have anal glands, and they basically all serve the same purpose of a scent gland, whether it's a defense mechanism or a way to communicate with each other. But I don't think like rabbits and mice have them. So for dogs and cats, when the rectum expands from the pressure of a firm stool pushing through the actual anus, it squeezes a little bit of that anal gland secretion onto the stool like mustard on a hot dog. So it's very important for this system to work that dogs and cats have firm stools. When they have diarrhea, when they have chronically soft stools, when they have irregular stools, we can start to develop problems with anal glands. These problems can look different in dogs and cats. In cats, a lot of times we see them pooping outside of the litter box. That's not always behavioral. There can be a health reason, and anal glands is one of them. Cats will often smell their own butt. They'll lick excessively grooming around there. Sometimes they'll start to lose hair around the rectum. Cats will show signs of pain and discomfort. Constipation. Cats have a pretty unique ability to hold their bowels better than a dog. So a cat can purposely hold their stool to the point where they're getting constipated. Now, not every cat that's constipated is purposely holding their stool because of anal glands. But just know if you have a constipated cat, anal glands is one of the things that we need to explore. Dogs, they're a little more obvious. They'll actually scoot on carpet. My dogs will actually scoot on the driveway, which is crazy. That's got to hurt. They will lick their butt, drag it kind of pulling themselves along. If their anal glands are large and distended in a dog, often if you just lift the tail, you can see two swellings at that four o'clock and six o'clock positions. The swelling can be anywhere from pea size to a grape size on a bigger dog that you can actually palpate under the skin. Cats can get that too. Their anal glands rarely get larger than a good garden pea. Another sign in both dogs and cats that would indicate we need to look to the anal glands for a problem is either blood or pus on the outside of their stool. So if you suspect an anal gland issue, you're seeing any of these signs in your pet, the first thing to do is make an appointment. Now we will express those anal glands. And if this is a first time offense, we'll probably just express them and hope that it was an isolated incident. But if this is something that is recurring frequently or associated with something like a fever or diarrhea, itchy skin, like from bug bites or fleas, then we're going to dig deeper. Anal glands, almost full anal glands that need expressing and causing a dog discomfort, there is almost always an underlying cause. 
One underlying cause could be trauma. Now, a dog could traumatize themselves by itching and chewing back there because they're itchy of another for another health condition like fleas, or it could be repeated trauma from the anal glands being expressed when it's not necessary. Now, there is a lot of debate on whether or not you should be or your groomer should be expressing your dog's anal glands on a regular basis. Now, it's pretty common practice for groomers to express those anal glands as a courtesy while they're bathing and grooming your dog, but not everyone agrees that that is the best thing. It's kind of one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That is a natural mechanism, and dogs have obviously lived for thousands and thousands of years expressing their anal glands themselves just fine, so maybe we shouldn't interfere. However, modern diets lack of exercise, just a whole change in how dogs live could be contributing to anal gland problems. So maybe groomers are doing us a favor by expressing anal glands. Maybe they're making the condition worse. Honestly, I think the verdict is out. We just don't know. I think a more common cause of anal gland issue is underlying GI issues or gastrointestinal issues. Colitis, inflammatory bowel disease, Stoff stools from eating maybe people food or eating things they're not used to eating. Sometimes there can be an anatomical variation where the anal glands actually sit deeper into the anus or into the rectum than they should. And so the poop, when it's going through the anus, doesn't act naturally to squeeze those anal glands like it's supposed to. That's a little harder one to tell because these little glands have an opening that is very small and just right at the junction of the inside to the outside. So we actually have to kind of roll that. Sorry, hit my microphone stand. We actually have to roll that pucker out to see those glands if we need to visualize them for catheterization. Non-gastrointestinal causes of anal gland issues include skin infections, food sensitivities, obesity, environmental allergens like your pollens, hypothyroidism, and even dental disease. Dogs groom themselves. They lick each other's butt. They lick their own butt. So if they have a rotten tooth, severe periodontal disease, pus inside their mouth, They can spread that bacteria to their skin, and they can spread it to their anal skin, which will infect the anal glands. So there's lots of different reasons for anal gland issues. It's not always cut and dry, and sometimes it takes a fair amount of investigation to get to that underlying issue. Now, the intention of this podcast is not to diagnose and treat your dog or cat's specific anal gland issue, but to just cover some broad general recommendations. So if your pet is having recurrent anal gland issues, meaning you're having to come in every 60 to 90 days, here are some broad recommendations. Consider a food change. I don't have a specific food recommendation, but perhaps there's something in your dog's current diet that isn't agreeing with them or causing a little softer stool. Talk to your veterinarian about what the next best food to try would be. You could also add some canned pumpkin, which will add bulk to that stool. We want a bulky stool. And sometimes with today's premium dog foods, these companies have done such an excellent job at reducing stool volume because consumers demand it. They don't want to pick up poop in their manicured lawns. 
that we're actually creating less stool volume and those anal, anal glands aren't getting secreted normally. Perhaps if your veterinarian suspects an underlying allergy, we would go to a hypoallergenic diet. Fish oil is something that I like to add in a lot of different health conditions, and this is one of them. There are a lot of different fish oil omega fatty acid supplements out there to choose from. At the clinic, we like Wellactin by Nutrimax. It's a liquid, and you just squirt it right on their food. It's very palatable. You don't have to worry about trying to force a capsule into your dog or cat, and you can adjust the dose precisely to their weight. There is an anal gland product out there. There's probably more than one, but the one I'm most familiar with is Glandex. They have a powder and a chew, and they also have some other products, some different cleaning wipes and other things that is all part of their anal gland product line. But that is a supplement for dogs that have recurrent anal gland issues. I do believe there's a probiotic in that one also. And lastly, we don't want to overexpress or underexpress these anal glands. We want you to come in and have your dog's anal glands checked before they get to the point of rupturing, especially if they've ruptured before and you have some scar tissue or narrow, narrow canals. But at the same time, we don't want to express them and possibly be doing repeat trauma over and over unnecessarily either, since trauma is potentially one of the problems that anal glands become inflamed. As a last resort, there is a surgical procedure called anal sacculectomy. And this is not a surgery without risks. Doing any kind of surgery in the proximity of the anus, where there's some very important muscles, very important blood vessels and nerves, is not without risk. Now, with that said, we have not seen any complications post-op when we've done anal sacculectomies. We especially recommend anal sacculectomies after dogs have had repeated ruptured anal glands. When they heal, they heal up scarred and never seem to be as functional as they were before. And when that's happened multiple times, they're just much more likely to have problems down the road. So when a dog's anal gland does rupture to the outside world, and that's what I was dealing with when I was inspired to do this podcast, literally it pops like a zit and pus comes out of a hole next to the rectum. Doesn't come out the rectum, doesn't come out the anal gland orifice. It pops through the skin like a big zit. Dogs are in pain when it happens. Often they have a fever, often it hurts to sit, they cry, they lick. Now this ruptured anal gland bilateral ruptured anal gland happened in a very young puppy and I was not expecting it. This is a puppy that I am fostering that is recovering from a parvovirus infection and had a good solid week of loose stool, no firm stool. So those anal glands were not expressed by normal firm stool and along with parvovirus we often get secondary bacterial overgrowth in the GI tract and those anal glands were exposed to that as this poor puppy had nasty diarrhea. When there is infected abscessed anal gland, if it has not popped and drained itself, we actually will do it artificially under anesthesia with a surgical blade or an 18-gauge needle. Then we milk all the pus out and flush it, flush it with saline and some disinfectant. We always put those dogs on pain medications and antibiotics. And we encourage the owner to hot pack or do sits baths for a couple days. We want that ruptured hole to stay open and drain. If it heals too soon before the body's ready, 
it can actually reabscess again. So hot packing draws out the infection. It also makes the dog or cat feel better. If you have a dog that likes to sit or a small dog that will sit in a soak tub, that works really good. You can even add a little Epsom salt. If we see a dog that we suspect has an anal gland issue, but it hasn't gotten to the point of abscessing and filling up like a balloon full of pus, we may actually express that anal gland. Look at the material under the microscope. Look at what we see for white blood cells and bacteria in that smear. And if we see signs of an infection building that we think is going to be severe, we'll actually infuse that anal gland directly with antibiotics instead of using them systemically. Not every dog tolerates that, and sometimes the anatomy of the dog makes that difficult, so we may or may not sedate them for that, and we may or may not choose to use that method for treatment. Now, unfortunately, the anal gland is not immune to cancer. We do see anal gland adenocarcinomas in practice. Sometimes we find it by accident when we're doing routine blood work. It is one of the cancers that causes blood calcium to be elevated. When we see that high calcium elevation, we go looking for anal gland adenocarcinoma. Sometimes we find lumps in the anal glands when we are expressing them because that dog was showing signs of scooting or licking back there, and we'll monitor those. Now, anal gland adenocarcinomas tend to be locally invasive, meaning they will really grow in that area around the rectum, can cause problems with the dog trying to poop, can cause a lot of discomfort, nerve damage, but it also is a cancer that spreads to lungs, liver, lymph node. That is a cancer we like to do surgery on. The sooner the better. It is one that responds well to both chemotherapy and radiation. At our little small town practice at the Marshall Animal Clinic, we have a limited ability to use chemotherapy, though we do do it with certain cancers. This is probably one that we would refer you to an oncologist or a specialist that sees these things on a regular basis. Of course, we do not have radiation at our clinic either. You would have to go to a specialty clinic for that. So that pretty much sums up what I'd like to discuss on anal glands. There is actually more detailed information, but we're at that 20-minute mark, and I'd like to keep these podcasts short and to the point. So to sum everything up, anal glands and secretions coming out of anal glands are a normal part of your dog and cat's bodies. If they're causing your dog pain and discomfort, if there is swelling, if there is irritation, that is a problem, and your veterinarian needs to see your pet. We'll try to get to the bottom of why this happened and prevent it from happening again. Thank you. If you have questions or ideas, topics you'd like me to discuss on Exam Room Rambles, I can be reached at examroomrambles at gmail.com, or you can find me at the Marshall Animal Clinic in Marshall, Minnesota during regular business hours. Our website there is www.marshallanimalclinic.com. Thank you. Thank you.